This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. I'm Jason Palmer, one of the hosts of The Intelligence, The Economist's daily current affairs podcast. The Economist's award-winning shows make sense of what matters, from our special series on China's president to our weekly podcasts on business, technology, and American politics, our journalists provide fair, in-depth reporting on the events shaping the world. Search for Economist Podcasts Plus and sign up to our free one-month trial. This episode is brought to you by Clavio, the platform that powers smarter digital relationships. With Clavio, you can activate all your customer data in real time, connect seamlessly with your customers across all channels. Guide your marketing strategy with AI-powered insights, recommendations, and automated assistance. Deliver experiences that feel individually designed at scale and grow your business faster. Power smarter digital relationships with Clavio. Learn more at klaviyo.com/spotify. That's k l a v i y o.com/spotify. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the credit card created by Apple. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that you can now choose to grow in a high-yield savings account that's built right into the wallet app. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone and start growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. It's time to say goodbye to hold music and say hello to fast customer support with Service Cloud. With trusted AI and data working together, you can skip long wait times and deliver efficient, personalized service right away. All while keeping support costs low and more customers happy. Reimagine your customer support with the number one AI CRM for service. Learn what's possible at Salesforce.com/products/service. Welcome to the HCI family of podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Alex Atwood about gig work trends and how companies can leverage gig workers while being fair. Alex Atwood, welcome to the conversation today. It's a pleasure to be here, John. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it is a pleasure. You're joining us from the Orlando area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about gig work trends and how companies can leverage gig workers while being fair to them.、Uh, I, this is something I feel 
rather strongly about just generally, you know, not exploiting workers is something I feel very strongly about. And because the landscape of work is shifting and we have more and more gig workers, you know, this is an important question that we need to explore. And, and it's kind of a new horizon. There's been gig workers around for forever. um, But the prevalence of gig work and freelance work and uh, people who are who are not traditional employees of organizations has just grown so rapidly in recent decades that it's becoming harder and harder uh, for for us to make sure that we're taking care of people the way you know we, we might expect everyone to be taken care of. As we get started, I wanted to share Alex's bio with everybody. Alex Atwood has more than 20 years of experience as a serial entrepreneur, helming four startups in the hospitality and staffing space. He has fostered skills, efficient teams, and as founder and CEO of Santa Staff, co-founder of Gravy Work, CEO of PSG Inc., and CEO of the Hospitality Training Institute. He has served more than 8,000 satisfied customers across staffing and hospitality and serves as an angel investor in firms that help to build a better world. What a tremendous background. Alex, a real pleasure having you. Now let's dive on in to this conversation. Yeah, I mean, this is an industry... Well, now, now it goes by gig work, right? But the the idea of temporary staffing of temps has been around since the industrial age, right? I mean, when their companies needed a workforce that was malleable, and more importantly, when people wanted to enter the workforce, one of the options they had was taking temporary jobs. And um, these jobs served as an on-ramp to people to be able to get you know, careers going for themselves. And it also always served as a way for companies to be able to mitigate all types of things like cyclical adjustments in their, you know, in a particular market capacity or for manufacturing, there's just such a need to be able to ramp up and wrap down as needed. So it really was uh, a win-win situation. You have um, people that want to be able to get into the workforce. You want to have another on-ramp. The temporary staffing industry, a lot of the times gave, the opportunity for companies to try people out before they actually, you know, take a full-time permanent job. Um, And it gives the same option for the person taking the job. So I think what's happened is, as technology has started to evolve and people have started to have in the, literally in the palm of their hand, the ability to make money on demand, it's now turned into a gig economy, not to say that the temporary staffing industry still isn't alive and well, but they're sort of melding together a bit. And so my background specifically comes from um, years in the temporary staffing industry, not just mm. myself, but my my parents go all the way back to the early 1970s, um, specifically in industrial staffing. My My father had a staffing agency that he started with my mother, my grandfather, when he came from the old country started a staffing agency. And so almost everyone in my family had that. And, you know, it's not too surprising that I worked as a temp uh, when I was a high school student. And so I was pretty familiar with, you know, what it what it meant to take temporary or gig jobs before there was, you know, really before there was an internet, right? I mean, I'm really dating mm-hmm. myself now, but, um, but so, so I have a familiarity to the value of this type of work that I think now has just become more prevalent. It's now the gig economy. And now, you know, you don't necessarily need to go to an interview. You don't necessarily need to do any of that. You need a phone. Um, you may need a car, maybe, maybe not. Um, and, uh, and really just the ability to show up and, and, and put, put forth 
your best effort um, and you could, you know, essentially become your own business. And that's, you know, that's quite different than, than how things used to be. But at the same time, the value is, is still there. Um, so when you ask, you know, how do companies, you know, how valuable is the gig economy and um, how do we ensure that people who are working in this particular economy as, you know, sort of temporary workforce, you know, how do we ensure that they're tra- treated fairly? Well, I'll say we ensure, we ensure that in the same way that we ensure that all people that, that work are treated fairly, you know, as, as company leaders, how do we treat our vendors fairly, right? How do we yeah. treat, you know, those contractors that have worked for us for years fairly, whether they're in it or whether they're in hardware, whatever, really, you know, uh, you know, empathy and human com- communication, treating others fairly, both through compensation and and all of that, that sort of whole ecosystem, I don't think uh, just lies with employee-employer relationship. I, I think now, especially when you have a gig economy, um, it permeates everywhere throughout your business. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, it's, it's really the underlying philosophy, you know, about how you're going to treat people and, and stakeholders yeah. in your organization. So whether they're a traditional employee, whether, like you said, like a supplier, a freelancer, a gig worker, uh, contract worker, whatever, right? Whatever category you put them into, do you have an underlying philosophy that you're going to treat people with dignity and respect, that you're going to treat them fairly, that you're going to value your human capital and the human assets of the organization? And that's an important question. And and I think, you know, one of the reasons why organizations have really leaned into gig work, just like workers have, like, you know, millennial and, and Gen Z individuals are disproportionately, you know, more so than other earlier generations opting for gig work. They like the flexibility. Uh, they like the autonomy and all of that. So certainly from the worker side, there's some pull that direction. But from the employer side, there's definitely pull that direction because they save on on uh, benefits costs and, and some of the other things associated with having people who are traditional employees of the organization. Um, and so if your mindset, if you're starting from a place of how do we save labor on labor costs, you know, in part, we do that by having more part-time employees. We have more freelance or contract employees or contract workers rather, um, you know, so that we can cut back on, on certain costs. I think that doesn't necessarily mean then that you're going to jump to, I'm going to take advantage in every way I possibly can these gig workers, but it's also not that far of a step, that direction, unless you're careful. So we we have to stay true to like what our core values as an organization are. If we value people, if we value our employees, let's remember that we also need to be valuing our our gig workers, our our contract workers, our suppliers, everyone who's in the ecosystem of our organization. All the people involved um, need to to be treated fairly. Uh, one of the things that's that's super interesting to me is just seeing how this is playing out in both the court of public opinion and actual courts. So for example, in California, just recently, you know, there was a pretty high profile case where, where essentially you, you have some of these, these rideshare apps where, where the drivers are saying, Hey, we're employees, you know, we're, we're treated as gig workers. We don't have benefits. We have, we don't have protections. We don't have any of these things that traditional employees have, but we're for all extents and purposes, like treated like employees. We have the expectations of employees, et cetera. And so it goes to court and essentially, you know, California, which tends to have more progressive liberal 
employment laws still cited with the companies. And so it's it's super interesting to see how this will continue to evolve. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. And it's because it's just so new, like it, the prevalence of this is so new that, you know, I suspect in the next five to 10 years that we're going to see more and more um, discussion around this and probably some public policy and even some legal decisions, if not flat out, um, you know, legislation around, you know, how we approach gig workers. I'm wondering if you have any um, thoughts around the gig economy, employment law kind of landscape and how that might be hurting gig workers, what might need to change there uh, in order to to level the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I well, there's a couple of things. Um, traditionally, gig workers, you know, whether they're temporary employees and independent contractors, any of that, they usually command somewhat of a higher premium uh, uh, pay rate than their counterparts that are permanent employees or full-time employees. And now I say this specifically in the staffing industry, specifically focusing on more of the blue collar, more of the industrial types of roles that I've, I've staffed for many, many years. Um, and the reason is because they, frankly, they don't have um, the, the benefits. They don't have uh, the same commitment a lot of the times to a particular job. They're there to, and use, you know, they, they have the skills necessary for that particular role. They're there to execute that role, and they may do it for as, as short as a day or as long as, a, you know, a month or so, um, and then they move on. So the idea is that while they may not enjoy the same benefits as maybe a counterpart that is a full-time employee mm -hmm. working there, they are enjoying somewhat of a higher rate, somewhat, somewhat of a higher pay rate. Um, so what happens with that to sort of address one of the points you just made is a lot of the times, and uh, I don't see it as much anymore, but it used to be so prevalent back in the early 2000s. And frankly, you know, uh, as, as little as five years ago, as little as mm -hmm. behind the pandemic that when temporary employees would come in, would gig workers would come in, whether it's project based, whether it's based mm -hmm. on some sort of cyclical seasonal need, they, they were treated as like cattle, honestly. And, um, yeah. and a lot of the times you know, hey, they're temps, you know, you don't have to treat them any certain way, cut them early. Hey, they're really expensive. And bifurcating the full-time employees from those temporary employees. And a lot of the times, some of the people that would work at a particular job site would see some contractors coming in and, you know, inevitably they'd maybe discover that those folks were getting a couple of dollars, a couple of uh, dollars more per hour, and there'd be some dissension there. And, and you know, that would turn into something um, that wasn't, that, that wasn't necessarily productive, wasn't necessarily healthy in the workplace. What I think I've found now, um, and I've been actually working on this for years, um, how do we somehow give some sort of benefit, some sort of access to healthcare to those who are working in different companies, different jobs, different, particularly, you know, potentially different roles, mm -hmm. um, which, which is extremely difficult for a, a, you know, for a staffing company or a gig economy company that's primary driver is to be able to accommodate the needs of multiple companies across multiple industries. And at, at, you know, when companies are extremely price sensitive as they always are, they're not always, you know, willing to necessarily pay a premium for, for, for staff coming in because, Hey, they happen to have insurance, right? They're, they're not necessarily, you know, happy to do that. So you find yourself in a position where, okay, um, how do we, begin to really 
treat our employees and, and, you know, my, my company gravy work, um, would have all of its, and, and my background as a, as a, uh, in the staffing industry has always been W2 employees. Um, that's just kind of the way it ran. Um, you know, how is it that we can provide some sort of benefits and still be able to be feasible as a company, right? How, yeah. how do we somehow include these benefits into a margin that already is sort of slim specifically in the industrial side of things? Um, and so what we find is, well, there's different programs, especially, um, uh, the, you know, these days where they have uh, benefits programs that are lower cost, but they still give access to some healthcare options that are, um, you know, sort of premium. Those are coming out now. There's also really what what I've done is um, where as much as we can, we want to be able to provide access to actually healthcare benefits. What I've done is always provided access to other sorts of benefits. So hmm. whether it's skills training, I founded something called the Hospitality Training Institute to be able to give government-funded skills training, to be able to up-level people, not in just their technical skills, but soft skills. Um, it yeah. could be anything from you know being able to have be an you know empathetic listener, being able to um, improve on uh, their English, you know ESL things like that. To where mm -hmm. okay. It's something that is absolutely a win-win. People are learning to be able to uh, earn more for themselves, provide a better living for themselves and their family, and and hey, how can we just kind of continue to take care of them? You know, in their in, in you know in times of need, how how can we um, form a community around our workforce, even though they're gig workers? And for me specifically, that doesn't just translate to a group of potentially transient workers, it, it should absolutely translate to a more permanent, stable workforce. Like, how do you build a community within your your teams? How do you do that? And if you can do it for a gig economy platform, if you can do it for a group of workers that are working in different locations, potentially doing different roles at different pay rates um, every day, then you can absolutely do it in all sorts of companies. And And that's sort of what we put together. So so how we do that is, you know, finding ways for people to actually connect in person with each other. And then actually, instead of sort of trying to instill a company philosophy or trying to push out, you know, maybe a new, uh, you know, maybe a new feature on our particular platform, really having a, a, a quorum, a forum, really understanding, hey, what's important to you? What's happening in your world? What's, what is it that um, we can do to somehow support what you're up to? Right. And so that's initially where a lot of the training programs we had put together come from. And and that's where I think um, and there are different healthcare, you know, uh, companies, especially startups happening now that really want to address this problem. But that's where the creativity comes in. You, you, you sort of listen to what's happening in the workforce's lives, what their needs are, and then you start to find solutions to those things. Um, and building community, I think, is is really key there. And the good news is. I think leaders and companies in corporate America are starting to wake up to this, mm -hmm. um, specifically after the pandemic, which has decimated the hospitality industry yeah. and other industries, which just needed those service level devoted employees. Um, you know, they just realized that, hey, employees are not just some commodity. You know, the, you know, these people have have needs. And and guess what? Uh, profits are healthy when you have people that are healthy and happy to be there um, and you retain more people. So it's all like the basics of running a good company come with um, devising ways to be able to build community around your, your workforce, be, be them gig workers or, or full time 
you know, quote unquote, permanent employees. Although I don't know exactly what a permanent employee, I don't think, think there's anything permanent right. necessarily in employment, yeah. but, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I like how you frame it as your workforce, you know, we, cause a lot of times we talk about our employees and then you have these other categories. Oh, the contract workers, the freelance gig worker, you know, people, and you're right. And a lot of organizations they are treated differently very differently. <laughs> and so like, let's start to wrap our mind around our workforce. And then that includes everybody that includes all the different categories. And so, you know, if, if I'm, you know, running a project and I have some people who are on my staff who are like traditional employees, but I also have some contract people, maybe distributed people from other parts of the world, whatever. If I'm trying, like you said, try to make, build community, try to make community a sense of belonging. When you do that, uh, it, it it raises the level of output from everybody. You're going to have better stuff. You're going to have better projects, better solutions. Uh, you're going to innovate and create more. Your people are just going to be more motivated. They're going to be more productive. You know, the, all of the the good positive outcomes, you know, that we talk about in treating your employees well for employee engagement and such, it applies to freelance and gig workers and contract workers just the same. And a lot of times, it is those those um, contingent workers that feel totally disconnected from the organization, and so then you know you're dealing as a as a as a manager as a leader. You know, if if you're not fostering that community, you're going to be dealing with trying to you know get production out of people that don't feel any real commitment, investment, or loyalty to what you're trying to do. And, and of course, that's what we want. We want everyone to be committed and loyal. And whether the, whether we have designated people, you know, as freelance gig workers, or perhaps that's what they prefer. Maybe they want, they don't want to be a traditional employee. They want to be, you know, work on a project basis. They want to be a gig worker. Fine. But let's still keep that interaction uh, in a similar way where we just treat everyone in our workforce as part of the team. You know, team members, we don't have to to think differently about people from the different groups they might come from. I Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this brings to mind something recently. I've been doing a lot of traveling. And so as such, I've been taking lots of rideshare uh, yeah. types of, you know, trips and, um, you know, jumping on lots of shuttles, whether they're rental car shuttles or, you know, airport shuttles or what have you. And um, one thing I noticed, you know, actually recently, just a couple of days ago. Um, I got into a, a ride share and, um, the person who was driving, you know, an independent contractor, right. A, a gig worker. Yes. Um, when I got in, he had, uh, like uh, hand wipes in the back. He had bottles of water. He asked if the smell was okay. I said, the particular type of music I wanted to listen to. And so he really took pride in his car and what he was doing. Um, and I, and you know, I took notice of that. Um, and this is a gig worker, but ultimately he's representing that rideshare company to, to, to a great degree, right? Um, and then I, I, um, I, I was dropped off at the airport or, you know, what have you. I think I had to get on an airport shuttle. And, and then I jumped on an airport shuttle and uh, uh, the airport shuttle driver uh, just seemed angry. Like he didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And, and, and I remember uh, I was standing there and he kind of like shuffled through the front and and i said hey is this am i going to you know gate whatever and he was like oh, i don't know i think so see you later and so 
at the end of the day, look, I mean, we're all human beings. These are all human beings, right? And some really take pride in a service they're delivering um, and they take pride in themselves maybe. And then others might be feeling as though they're working for a monolith. They might be, you know, their their voice doesn't matter or maybe just yeah. a bad day and, you know, who cares? You know, this is kind of what I do. This stuff shows up, whether it's gig worker, whether it's employee, yeah. right? It, it really is um, starting to really understand. I mean, what I think is, you really just have to build a connection with the people that are working, you know, that are, that are there. Like, like what, what is it? Maybe that shuttle driver maybe truly did have a bad day. And this was just, you know, this was a one-off for him, or maybe he just, you know, maybe that job isn't what he's necessarily looking for anymore. Maybe there's something else he could potentially do. And he just feels stuck. I, I don't know. Right. But at the end of the day, it's up to the employer or up to the company that is hiring or that the platform that, that the individuals are working on, to be able to to build that bridge, and that's yeah. just going to provide a better experience for that that person and for whoever's using that service or that product, right? Um, and it's not easy, but but it really does take leadership to be open to that and to do something differently. Like, you know, how do we actually connect with our workers outside of, you know, you know the 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 pay per hour or the transaction that that worker ha- happens to be performing. Um, and companies aren't used to doing that. Um, and so I think, I think though, that specifically with Gen Z and moving forward, I think more people, you know, just realize they have more options and, um, and they want their companies to be aligned with their values or they want their companies to understand them a little bit more. I think that's just something that's happening in sort of the zeitgeist. So companies have to evolve or I think they're going to just, um, they're just going to not be able to connect with their workers. Um, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And the, you you <laughs> are in danger of falling into irrelevance in the labor market, right? Um, totally. You know, it, it's, it's we're, we, we have a tight labor market. We have skills gaps, particularly in, in STEM fields and healthcare. You know, like there's a variety of places where we just don't have enough people um, who have the skills necessary. And if you have good people that work with your organization, whether they're a traditional employee, a contingent worker of whatever um, shape or size, and they're good, you can't afford to lose them. You got to treat them as part of the team and you got to, you you want them to continue to contribute to your organization because people have options. We need to make sure that we lean into this so we stay relevant in the labor force um, so that we can have the people that will help us do good, cool stuff to take to the market. Um, and ultimately coming back to where we started, I mean, just treating everyone with dignity and respect, treating people fairly. If that's a core value, and I do believe most leaders, most organizations, you know, espouse that at least as an aspirational goal that they want to do that. And so if we truly believe that, let's just remember that that does extend to the contingent workforce, those people that work with us, uh, for us, maybe on a project basis as gig workers, that we still need to make sure that we're treating them well also. Yeah. Alex, I I agree. Yeah, great. (laughs) It has been a real pleasure. I know the time and I need to let you go. But before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to connect with me, uh, you can, well, my name is Alex Atwood. You can uh, search my name. My website's alexatwood.co. So that's A-L-E-X-A-T-1-T-W-O-O-D.co. Um, and this was an excellent conversation today. I think um, 
I think one thing I'd like to sort of leave with is specifically for leaders, ask your employees or your gig workers, your team members, how they'd like to be supported rather than making assumptions. I think a lot of the mm. times leaders assume what their, you know, what their team members need. Um, and I think that's, you know, you're missing a lot there. It's actually kind of missing the point, you know, reach yep. out to your team members, understand what's happening, openly discuss, and then that will then shed light on how you can better support your teams. Because ultimately that's the key, learn how to listen and have voices be heard. Love it. Alex, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Alex can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe, and please join us again soon.